Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuff you, free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so the football championship hasn't really kicked off, lads. A um, lot of hammerings, a lot of one-sided games. Roscommon, Galway, we were hoping would be the closest game, but that was a dreadful game in dreadful conditions. So there's only one place to, t- to start, Alan. What the hell is Cluxton at? <laughs> Not starting with Galway, <laughs> Roscommon, no. Um, I don't know, Willie, is the honest answer. Um, I don't think Desi does either. Yeah, it looked like that um, after the game yesterday when he was interviewed. And um, look, as he said, like Stephen Cluxton, for what he's given, and, and he deserves the time to make whatever decision he's going to make. But I think it does need to be made in... in in the next couple of weeks either way because well now just to cut you off there he does deserve the time but he's had from the All-Ireland final last December like this needs to be decided before the championship am I right in saying that like I mean you can say he needs more time like I mean the championship has started and he's the captain of the team yeah look it's, it's it's like I said I don't know the answer the only thing I can think of maybe this this time is has kind of crept up on him very quickly now and all of a sudden he has to make a call on it and he's not ready to make the call and it's probably a big decision for him. Like I, I know for the last number of years he's taught he's taught long and hard a couple of times about whether to come back or not and um look he's heading I think he's gonna be forty in August now so um so it is a big call at this stage of career. But I suppose it's only like it's an eight nine week eight week championship. So there's not a huge amount of the championship left. So I think the call does need to be made in a couple of weeks in the interest of of, of like of the players Obviously, for Evan coming for it as well, it's it, like it's important to know Stephen coming back or not. And and at the end of the day, look, Stephen, um, I know we spoke before the um, before the show. Like like Stephen doesn't know Dublin football, and he doesn't know any of us. And like he's had a fantastic career, and 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 whatever decision he makes, best to look to him. And if if that decision is to walk away, then we do have an able replacement in 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 Evan coming for to step in. Um, and 
but I said I hope for the, like for the sake of everyone, I hope Stephen makes a decision whether he's coming back or not in 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 the next couple of weeks, hopefully before the next game. And and himself really, because he's let you don't want his legacy tarnished. Because I think he is stringing Dublin along, uh, Colm. Like for the for 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 Desi to say, I don't know the answer. Like I mean, you know, he says he's gone back to his club and he's just taking time to heal the body. Now he's playing with Parnell, so he's not healing the body. That's nonsense. And then Desi says maybe to regenerate the appetite. He hasn't played in six months, so like I mean, for me that's nonsense. Like it, it reads to me like Desi hasn't a clue. It's like Cluxton's not answering the phone to him, and he he hasn't got an explanation. Yeah, I think I think Desi knows. Um, I'm not sure he's obviously uh, relaying them messages on, but like, yeah. You think he knows? You, t- you, you think Desi knows? I think he does know. I I think he has to know at this point now. You talked about the it creeping up on you, and probably Stevens probably put it to the back of his mind. Uh, and it is—it's a massive call. Like I, I think back to my own trying to step away from it, and it's a big part of your life. And he's obviously been around for a very, very long time, and he's probably parted um, at the end of last year, thinking, you know what, I'll make that call closer to the time. And it's just with the weeks and months go by, and then suddenly, you know, you're being pressed for a decision, and. Like, I obviously, I don't know what's going on in the background, but it just seems from the outset, but like, even as I say, relaying back to myself, I find it very, very difficult and didn't really want to commit. Um, but I'm assuming that Desi would have had these conversations with him at this point, like to say yes or no, and it's maybe just not putting it out there. Um, but here, here, here's, you know, the, here's the question I have for, for you, Colm, is that what benefit is there in Desi saying, I don't know, and leaving the speculation hang out there? if you think he does know, because this is very unlike Dublin, because all this is doing is drawing attention on themselves and drawing attention on Stephen. You know, like, I mean, where, what's the benefit in Desi not saying what the situation is? I think we're honest. There's probably no benefit. You're probably right. But at the same time, like, I'm, I'm only assuming because, like, Alan talked about the players there and stuff and being part of, part of that team, the guys are bound to have an, a, a, a sort of a handle on whether he's coming back or not. It's it's too far into the season. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's. I couldn't see it. Say, for example, with Tyrone, I couldn't see that being the case. With, you know, Stephen's obviously got a good enough relationship with Desi. They're bound to have a conversations at this point. They're bound to have a. You know, there's bound to be a deadline on this to say, look, yeah, we're back. I'm back or I'm not. And I don't know. I'm just something. Whenever I sort of heard the same by side, I was thinking, you know, they're bound to know here and it's not putting it out. Maybe they're they're using this attention to take it away from the from the football. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm just. I say I'm throwing speculative sort of answers yeah. out here, but you think it's, it's a master? Just, it's a master plan to take away from the football. Plan. It's a master plan to take away from the, from, from, from the last from the game of the weekend. Distraction, think, distraction tactics think, away from the the, the, the I think in Desi's defence, like he, he, he's he's probably the one player that's difficult to pin an ultimatum on. Like if it was anyone else, you could say, look, I need a decision yeah. here by by the middle of next week because we're going into the into the semi final of Leinster Championship with Stephen. He's the one player I'd say. Desi wouldn't want to do that to him in case the ultimate, ultimatum fell on the wrong side and kind of then it became well I got an ultimatum off Desi I had to make the call and I wasn't ready to make it so I think Desi will give him the time as you say look we're only speculating here yeah. we don't know whether Desi knows or not um, well, I'm sure, you, I, don't I'm sure think, I don't think Desi does know do you think he well, knows knowing uh, Stephen and I've played with Stephen for two years I don't think Desi knows I, Stephen's a strange character yeah I don't think Desi knows that the the, 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 the exact answer but he knows I'd imagine he knows a little bit more than what he said yesterday I'm sure right. he's had some sort of communication with Stephen I had heard Stephen had trained with the goalkeeping coaches a little bit yeah. um, over the last few weeks so um, and look I don't know if Desi's hiding in he is or he isn't but I'm sure it will be I'm sure he won't let it drag on past the past the Leinster semi-final because at that stage it would become a big distraction and 
it just wouldn't be great for Stephen either for that to be dragging on into a Leinster semi-final or past that. that that's the thing and Colm just to, to finish up on this like I mean you retired when you retired how much did you thought did you put in in getting it done so that it didn't become a distraction because there was a kind of a will you won't you even you know coming back this year you know like for example the longer Stephen leaves it the more questions players are going to be asked in media days we've talked about Comerford you think maybe Comerford knows what about James McCarthy who could be captain this year and lift, lift Sam Maguire like I mean there's a lot of things and he's captain so, like, I mean, he, from Stephen himself, just has to make this bloody decision. Yeah, it just goes back to the players. I know when I was st- stepping aside, I just wanted to get it clear in my head. I wanted to, um, I wanted to be, fair, you know, be fair to be fair to the team. And I think I know last year for for me it was different, different in that it was COVID and stuff that hit, and it was you know that sort of mid season, and I stepped away. But for Stephen, you're sort of going look, Leinster semi final coming up. People don't want the Dublin, the Dublin team, the Dublin players won't want that hanging over their heads. You know, obviously because they've obviously bigger ambitions, they maybe can let it go a wee bit longer than what other teams can. Um, but look, there's no getting away from it. It's just a massive call for him, and I'm sure he's. Well, if it's, if it's anything like my own, I'm sure he's went back and forward a number of times on yeses and noes and weighing up the, the pros and cons on it. I don't know Stephen personally, so um, I can't comment on that. But. Like people talk about giving him the time, and he does need that time. But at this, like at the, at the end of the day, it's now we're in the start of July. You know, things are starting to hot, going to going to start to heat up on the championship. Um, it's just you know, it has to be. There has to have some sort of conversations between Desi and him at this point to say, look. At least give me a feel for what you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. For a man who doesn't like attention or doesn't like any spotlight, he certainly does things that actually, um, ironically, draw a lot of attention onto himself. Yeah, um, I suppose the other thing, you know, if he does come back, it's going to be a big call for Desi went to put him back into the team as well. Like exactly. if he hasn't trained, does he come back in and after a week training be straight back into a side for Leinster semi-final or does he wait until the Leinster final and Evan Comfort does well and then he's, it's, it's, it's going to be a tricky one. But um, I don't think he should come back in as captain. I think James McCarthy, and anyway, I don't like the one captain lifting the sev- lifting six in a row. I'd love to see James McCarthy lift Sam Maguire. Would you, Alan? Like, I mean, should, like, should James McCarthy be captain now when these things are up in the air? Should it just be said, James, you're the captain, we can't mess around with this any longer, and that's your job this year? Yeah, I think there's certainly merit in it. And can I be similar? Like, the Stevens obviously lifted Sam Maguire seven times now. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is time for somebody else and that will need some sort of kind of transition period to bring oh no Brian no, Cullum was the first Brian Cullum's yeah. first yeah so um, that'd be great to see James McCarthy going up there at some stage yeah and he's given his he's given his due service there's obviously a couple of other guys as well and um, and to be honest I don't think Stephen would have a problem with that at this stage I think him being captain he's 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 a, a strange kind of captain isn't the word but he's a different kind of captain in that he's he's he, he um he can be quiet at times and does a lot of his talking on the field and stuff and obviously like he is an inspirational leader in his own way but somebody like James McCarthy would be more in the in the traditional mould of a captain right. um kind of centre half back on the field so yeah it would be nice to see and maybe that's something Desi will look at yeah yeah maybe it is so we'll see what we'll see what happens there so it was a terrible game in Doctor Hyde Park like I mean there, there's you know tactics played into that um. Column. Also, the weather. Like, I mean, Roscommon surprised everyone by putting 15 behind the ball. Like, I've never seen Roscommon do that before. We'll get into it in a second on whether they have the players to, that suits that. But playing against, playing in those conditions with a very slippy ball against those, against, with those tactics, Column. Like, I mean, you just knew after the first five minutes, oh God, this, this is going to be tough. 
Yeah, it was nearly like an Ulster Ulster Championship game a few years back. Uh, but yeah, it was it was hard to it was hard to watch. I, I didn't expect Roscommon to put that many behind the ball. And I remember just thinking at the start of the game, watching them going, "How long can they sustain this for?" Because they were, I say, Tyrone tried this years ago. We were running back, that everybody behind the ball. They were trying to break out and break out in wet sloppy wet conditions. There was going to be handling errors. There was going to be turnovers and whatnot. And it just led to a game where I could see from after five ten minutes that there was no way Roscommon were going to sustain this and win the game. So, you know, they were nearly they nearly set up just to stay in the game, um, which was a wee bit strange. Um, yeah. But ultimately, they were going to they were going to become undone. At, 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 you know, as the game wore on and tired legs, and you know there was going to be mistakes in that. So I say the conditions did play a wee bit of a part in that because it was it, it looked fairly. Uh, fairly poor, um, but just a very strange setup from Roscommon. I thought I thought they would have went and given God the way, you know, the league had been. I thought they would have went a wee bit more aggressive, pushed up a bit more, and really went to go after Galway to put scores up and just didn't materialize. And this is the thing this is a Galway team with their confidence on the floor, Alan. Like you're staying in the game. Like, I mean, the, the RT analysis, I felt like tearing my hair out. Uh, Kevin McStay said at halftime they were well set up. Like that owl, for me, that's owl shite analysis. It's like, what does that mean? They're putting the Murtas and Connor Cox behind the ball. Like players who won't put in tackles, who are not suited to that. Roscommon are not known for a blistering pace. They've no real practice at counter-attack football. And they've done this against a team that are their equals, that have yeah. beaten them in Salt Hill. And they're at home. Like, for me, Roscommon should have been slated at halftime. They should have been slated after the game. And all I saw was Fitzmaurice and McStay making excuses for them. Yeah, for me, it showed a huge, kind of a huge l- lack of self-belief in whether that's on the management's part or whatever. Um because I think only for the weather on the day, I think they would have been beaten a lot easier. I thought, I thought the wet kind of slippy ball kind of played into playing like that, and 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 it looked like Ross Common were doing a good job at this. Whereas I don't think they were even particularly doing a very good job. No. At, like they let a couple of runners in, like they let a runner in for the goal. He ran past six of them and got in for got in for a handy goal. And and like like to play like that, as I'm sure Colin would say, like it's not something you can start practicing a week or two out from a championship match and just turn and play like that and expect to beat someone like Galway. And as you said, they played Galway in the league. I think Galway bet them by five and solid hill in the league. So it's not as if they're playing against Dublin or Kerry where, hold on, we need to try and contain these. They're playing yeah. against a team. Look, on paper, Galway probably are a slightly better team, but on their day, there's no reason why Common playing the way they usually play couldn't beat a team like Galway. Um, and I'm sure it was frustrating for the players like likes of Connor Cox there's no way he wants to play football like that the likes of it the was, Murtas was, and stuff they're not it was actually Connor Cox who was running after Peter Cook he was tracking Cook um, for the goal and he just stopped running after him he, he just, just decided he's just not used mind, to it yeah. like you yeah, know yeah. what's he doing back there yeah. well I suppose and what would happen in a team like like in a team that's set up to play like that or are used to playing like that a four comes back and he can pass a fella off I'm sure Colin will know a bit more about this tonight where you can pass the fella off to, to say a centre back or to a corner back whatever you can leave him go but they obviously weren't trained in that so he got in he let him go and no one else picked the runner up and he got in behind for uh, for what was an easy goal in the end so it was very disappointing to be honest to see uh, even though the conditions were awful it was disappointing to see Ross Common play like that and like they were never going to beat Galway playing like that and No, like right from the outset you could see Galway were going to be the better team uh, like as Colm said Ross Common were never going to sustain that and, and as I said already it showed a huge a huge lack of self belief, and they've now lost. And maybe they've looked like they lost three games in Division One. They lost their playoff games, so they've now lost five games in a row this year. So um, they've lost all their games. They brought in the, uh, Stephen Poacher, who is very well known for defensive football. We saw how he set up Carlo. 
he was you know he was over the down miners last year and scored 1-4 a fancy down miners team he he's over club teams um, in down and they're just everybody's back inside the 45 I was just very surprised Anthony Cunningham you know, you know what you're getting from Poacher but like I mean this is a step up to a Division 1 team column and let's be honest that for, for me that is not how Roscommon should ever set up uh, Anthony Cunningham will probably go and that'll be the end of Poacher in there and you'd imagine it'll be Division 4 teams come and call him for him again if that's the kind of way he's setting teams up yeah, yeah, I, I didn't mind, and I, I, I didn't mind if they wanted to set up that way for a period of time in the game at the beginning to keep it close. But I was sort of expecting at some point, look, they're going to start really going after Galway, and you know they're maybe just trying to stay in it for ten or fifteen minutes. And I think football, just I suppose the amount of media coverage that that type of play has got over the last number of years, the things have moved on, teams have worked it out. Um, Alan talked about you know not not being actually you know not having enough practice behind playing this type of system and. From from our own point of view, over the last five six years of playing it or whatever many years Drone have been doing it, like we worked on it night in night out. It wasn't just a, a flick of the switch, um, and it took years to to try and you know get right. And then obviously we tried to go the other way. So for it was common just to come out of the blue and go, "Look, lads, we're putting everybody behind the ball, bringing forwards back into into these positions." And like they were turning balls over at times, and you were sort of going, they were trying to put it through the hands, and you were going, "Look, you're you're never going to score here, even even if he's do." Even though know, they, they got the ball turned over, they were never going to get a score because they, they, they just were too slow. They weren't used. That you could just see that they weren't used to playing playing that way. But yeah. like that's not to take too much away from because there is t- other teams out there are doing similar styles of play, but they're flipping the switch at certain times of the game to say, right, lads, and it's obviously been worked on. They're going right. Let's go and press. Let's you know, let's go and really have a go at these guys. And we talked about it a number of weeks back that trying to find that balance between defense and attack and is obviously the key in football now and. You know, I, I didn't really mind when, it's, when they went everyone behind the ball at the start. It was going right, okay. They're trying to stay in the game for five or ten minutes, and then they're going to have a go. Um, after we can use, we talked about using the water breaks very, um, very efficiently, and it gives teams sort of time to, you know, to change things around if they need to. But they just didn't do it. They just didn't change, and you know, you could see from very early doors that I knew very early in the in the half that. This is only going one way. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about Armagh in a minute. There's plenty of times Armagh find themselves with a lot of bodies back, back behind the ball, but there's lots of times they don't as well, and they they at least try try to mix it up. Emma Fitzmaurice said at half time, he says, "Who are we to judge the way Ross Common are set up?" And I was looking at that. Eamon, that's literally your job as a pundit to judge whether this is the right way to do it or not. Like, I don't know what it was about Max Day and Eamon Fitzmaurice. Like, I know for years, Brawley and Spillane and O'Rourke gave out about this every day and that got a little bit boring and everything. You know, talk about it a bit. But they refused. Even after the game, they tried to say that Roscommon want to make the step up to teams like Galway. And they're at the exact same level. And Joanne tried to say that to them and they wouldn't accept it. Like, for me, is this two managers who have managed teams and watched their teams be criticised on the Sunday game, just refusing to call it as it is, you know, in, because they don't want to upset Anthony Cunningham, maybe like they were upset looking at it. Do you get my point? And it, yeah, it just, it beggared belief, me watching it. Yeah, was it a case that maybe was saying that that, that, that Roscommon are entitled to set up whatever way they want? But I think certainly as a pundit, like I suppose your job is to say whether you agree or disagree or is it working or is it not working? Yeah. And it was clear that it wasn't that it wasn't going to work for Roscommon. Um, it was clear they weren't really used to playing that system. They probably don't have the players to really play like that. Um, and as and as like you can be defensive, and it, like if you watch Dublin play at times in games, Dublin go very defensive. 
But then they can switch, or when we talk about transition, we don't like that word, but they can switch into attack mode very, very quickly and they can get players back up the field so they have a they have a full forward or they have a couple of men in a full forward line so they can stretch the play again. They'll never be caught with all their men behind the ball trying to run it, kind of trying to run it from deep. And in weather like that, like they were like, like Colin said, they were never going to run it from a full back or a half back line through the hands all the way up with yeah. goal with men back. It's just because once you got a hand on someone, ball was slipping all over the place. You needed to move it much faster and they hadn't got the men up the field to do that. So, like, like we know how Stephen Poacher likes to likes to set up his teams, and that's that's fine if he's a defensive minded minded coach. But he probably does need to evolve a little bit to, to right after we defend. How are we going to score once we win the ball? Once we win the ball back, and it, it just looked like Ross Common lacked ideas there for uh, in that game yesterday. And it, in a way, it kind of reminded me of of when Pat Gilroy came in with us, or after me got the five goals against us in two thousand and ten. We decided right, we're going to be defensive, and Pat said we're going to get the defensive side of our game first, right first in the National League. I don't care about attack. Whatever happens up there happens. Um, but that's something you do in a national league. It's not something you do for the first time in a in a yeah. kind of championship match. And it just looked like they didn't really know. They just lacked ideas going forward once they once they did manage to get turnovers. Well, let's say then you'd, you'd forgive Wexford doing it against Dublin. You'd even forgive Fermanagh doing it against Monaghan, which they did do it. You know, it's it's probably not going to work. But if you think it'll keep the score down, but I just can't understand a Division One team like Roscommon resorting to that. It was in, in, embarrassing um, for them. What about Matthew Tierney, Colm? He looks like a right player. Like was it wasn't it interesting that like he's brilliant on the freeze, and I actually feel more comfortable with him on the freeze than Shane Walsh. But Shane Walsh just missed one off the left, and he was booted off them for the young lad yeah, I was very very surprised to see him uh, Shane Walsh been taken off the freeze uh, given how prolific he actually is and uh, you know obviously I haven't seen Matthew Tierney a massive amount um, but look he had an absolute colossus game at the weekend you know he, he scored the goal I think and then he obviously didn't miss it. I don't think he missed any freeze um, no and there were tough freeze the 45s they weren't easy and what probably wasn't easy, easy conditions Um so he 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 really stepped up the mark from what I see in the weekend, and you know I say um, it's good to have them weapons there because like you know free taking is very very important, and you know having if Walsh isn't isn't firing at all cylinders, which doesn't happen too often, you know they have that second option there where you know I don't know he might get the job going forward, but um, yeah, an absolute a, a fantastic game for himself and was everywhere, you know it was. Uh, he was, he was marauding through, even in the went inside, maybe for a wee bit. You know, he done a wee bit. He just was all over and uh, yeah, a, a serious game for him. He did. He went inside for a little while towards the end when he got the goal. It was Sean Kelly set both goals up attacking from corner back. Like, I mean, that those kind of conditions suit him down to the ground. I was reading that uh, Porrick Joyce said after the match that Matthew Tierney can kick freeze off the ground on both feet just like Shane Walsh. Like, I mean, that's yes. kind of freaky. To Shane Walsh is freaky. Never mind. Colin Corker used to be able to do that. Now Tierney's another one. Yeah, it's amazing. There's not many. Um, but as Colin said, he. he he looks very impressive in a way if he hit the freeze it might just like kind of being the free taker carries a bit of a burden as well and obviously Shane Walsh carries a lot of that burden for that Galway team as it is especially with, with like say Damien Comer being injured for a couple of years good to see him back yesterday so in a way putting Matthew Tierney on the freeze might just free up might just free up Shane Walsh a little bit and give him a little bit more freedom in open play and um, we might see a bit more from him and in open play as a result he, he got injured Shane Walsh now it's a difficult one to know they have three weeks to the Connacht final he didn't pull up in any kind of huge pain now three weeks is borderline if it's a little nick you have a chance but he'd no limp column he didn't look fiercely distraught you know it, maybe it was just a tightening up maybe like Michael Murphy for example Michael Murphy's thinking he'd be okay in two weeks with a tightening up it's hard to know 
Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, look, he, he made that. It was it was at the end of one of a. He done him. He was running pretty fast. Run yeah. from, from, <laughs> he, he was running pretty fast from back to front, and I could just see him. Obviously, at the start of the game, they were chatting about the hamstring, and I said, "This is going to test it." And you know, when it showed back the analysis or showed back the replay, you could see a wee bit of grimace on his face. He obviously knew straight away that something had tightened up. Um, look, if, if it's only tightened up and it hasn't actually, you know, he hasn't actually nicked it again, he probably could be okay. Um, but look, it's it's one of those things. Hamstrings are. You know, if people knew how to work at the hamstring injuries. You'd be, uh, you'd be well off. But uh, look, they, it, it's 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 a it's a difficult one. I remember watching Murphy, wondering why the why Donegal risked him. Um, but I suppose look, Walsh Walsh did and made a serious impact in the game for, for Galway and had them get over the line. So I can understand him playing. But if he hasn't, if it's only been a wee tighten up and he's really got it early, then you know, a few weeks he can it, it probably will be okay and he will be okay to start again. But it's. You know, does it keep coming back on him? You know, this is the problem with the fixtures. You know, he doesn't have a whole pile of time to, to rest and uh, and really get it right in terms of rehab because it'll take probably a few days of doing nothing on it before he starts into that. So, look, time's just uh, time's a key at the moment for these guys trying to get back and uh, you know and play football. Again. Yeah, exactly. He gave a lovely uh, diagonal ball off the outside of the left for to set up Tierney's goal. Kind of opened up the whole play. That was like you're trying to look for some bits of quality in that game, Alan. There wasn't a huge amount in it. it I thought be... he left it behind him a little bit now. Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't put it into his path. <laughs> but that ball was on about five seconds before. Yeah, he only yeah, saw yeah. it late. Yeah, no, I thought he let, when he turned, when I was watching, he turned to kick it. Ah, here we go. This is on now. Outside the left, just knocking it in front of him. And he just... I'm not sure who he was a kicked, but he had to turn back a little bit. Sean to get Kelly, a, yeah. Sean Kelly, and he'd get the hand pass in then for over the head but uh, I know he has that in the locker definitely and and, and uh, it could be great to see like, I'm a bit unsure still where Galway are at um, obviously the game yesterday probably didn't tell us a huge amount no. because of the, like, the weather the way Roscommon played um, they're only decent Galway like, and at least they leave, try to leave Shane Walsh and Finnerty up you know and they have gone defensive themselves Galway which will make the Connacht final a little bit interesting no, we'll talk well, about they that. have Damien Comer back he's, he's full 70 minutes under his belt there for First time in a good while, I'd say, and they've added a couple of players like on top of him now. Kermaloy at wing back, as you know, he's been around a few years, but he looks like he's in real good form this year. Sean Kelly, as you say, so they have, like they have, uh, um, attacking backs as well. So, so, but like I think the game against Mayo will will probably tell more of a tale than what we saw from them yesterday. Um, yeah, and Mayo probably going to be without Killian O'Connor. Um, so it's a chance for Galway for sure, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. We'll preview that in, in three weeks' time when we come up. Armagh beat Antrim. This was a very entertaining game, I thought, Column. There's no way it was a 4-15, what's that, a 13-point game. I thought Antrim, you know, battled very well for a Division 4 team. It's not often a Division 4 team can come up and go toe-to-toe with a Division 1 team. And, you know, Armagh had that extra bit of quality. But, geez, like, I mean, they were made sweat for a good while during this game. Yeah, I, I you know Antrim were always going to have to convert nearly everything every time they went forward and look for large parts of the game they looked really really impressive. Armagh were a wee bit frustrating to watch in a way because you know I was expecting to be to be fair I was expecting Armagh to really push on here early in the game and they were sitting back uh, a yeah. lot. Uh, Antrim had the ball maybe for a couple of minutes one stage just didn't want to go into tackle and then I think they ended up with the score and. Yeah, it was a bit strange. I was watching and saying, like, why are Armagh not pressing out here? They're literally happy to have a, let Antrim just play about and knock the ball it, about it was, it was like, that, to... that happened for like the first five, six minutes where Antrim were just camped inside their 45. Now, Antrim aren't, like, Antrim dictated that. that Armagh Ar- 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 dictated that. Antrim were on the outside of them. It's not like Armagh, every man had a man. And then Armagh will have no problem booming it down the field like the 1970s, you know, and they, they do that two or yeah. three times. They're a hard 
team, there's no real flow to Armad. There's no very set game plan. It's a bit of everything or something, is it, Colin? Yeah, I think it is. I think you have to give them credit. They're making they're they're making waves in their styles of play. They've changed how the you know how they're playing. They are trying to obviously obviously what bit what what we talked about earlier. They they went back into that sort of defensive mode, and I was sort of watching it going, that's very frustrating. Why these guys push out, push out, push out, and then as you say, suddenly the start then you know game sort of wears on a bit a bit like. You know what I thought was common. We're nearly trying to do. I thought they were going to come out at some stage, and Armagh then did eventually. Like we have to give Antrim massive credit here. They, they, they for large parts of that game, I like the scoring definitely doesn't reflect the the, the the way the game panned out. And you know Antrim were very very impressive. Um, and uh, you know Armagh still trying to work them out. They 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 are definitely trying. And I don't know whether Kieran Donnelly been in there or whatnot, but they're definitely trying. Um, you know different styles. They defended for a wee while, and then they started to press up and push out and. Yeah, they boomed a few long balls, and it didn't it didn't come off with no. the, the long balls. But I remember thinking, and they were probably from the wrong areas and whatnot. But I could see what they were doing, and there was there was there was space inside at times. And if they had got one of them, you know, that's what we're talking about a completely different conversation. So I think if they can, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely making steps in the right direction. I think we talked a number of weeks back, like saying like Armagh are definitely uh, definitely pushing, um, but it's just whether they're there yet in terms of that, that final quality and getting that consistency that maybe the Dublins and carries and whatnot have at the moment. Yeah, the the boomers like are one thing. So they, I think they did that about twice in the game, or they literally just launched it down. Now I don't know why they do that because it's two on what it's three on two. There's two of their players. It's Ria. It could be Ria O'Neill, it could be Jarlett Ogburn, it could be Ushin O'Neill, and they're swapping. This is another confusing thing. They're constantly swapping the men in there. They're constantly putting men behind the ball. Then they're kicking it. I I, I don't know. And one thing, Alan, it's an interesting one. Is like a couple of. You know, decent kick passes went astray as well. Jamar Hall gave a good diagonal ball to Rian O'Neill and it bounced just at his feet. And uh, Macken, or Macklin did as well. But here's the thing, they don't, these kick passes are coming from the half-back line and you know as well as I do from playing in there, that's too far back. You don't really want that because if you stay inside the 21, there's way too much velocity on them. Too, they're too kick too hard. And if you want a nice bouncy one, you probably have to come out too far. They don't play through a half-forward line. And that's because they're dropping too many players back. I, I don't know. I was looking at them yesterday going, there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion to what, to yeah, what they're doing. I think doing. They're, they're, they're probably still a team in transition. And to give them their due credit, they're trying. They're a team that's trying to get the balance right between having a good defensive structure, but also keeping some men up and maintaining a kick-passing game. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously kind of still work in progress with doing that so I think they'll learn a huge amount from that game yesterday Ex- exactly what you spoke about if we're kicking the ball in long we need to make sure we have men in there to win it we, we need to make sure it's coming from the right areas of the field our defensive structure is okay they can see that whatever won 114 or whatever so so they'd probably be happy enough with that scored whatever 4 four thirteen did they 413 um, to 14 415 to 14 points yeah. to 14 points so they, so, um, so they kept the clean sheet so, so to concede 14 points I know Antrim are well Antrim are up from Division 4 up to Division 3 next year and I watched Enda McGinley after like he was disappointed after it now he thought that they'd obviously stayed in the game for long periods of long periods of the game and obviously fell away at the end conceding a few goals so he was disappointed that he didn't kind of hang in there and, and, and maybe put a better reflection on the scoreboard but but I think when he looks back at it today um he can be very happy with how they perform for long periods of that game and they've certainly made progress under himself and himself and Stephen O'Neill this year. But like Armagh still, I think they're working progress. Like I, I, I still think they're going in the right direction. I think they learned a huge amount from yesterday and but if they're going into what's what's certainly Kieran McGinney's biggest game of, 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 of his Armagh managerial career and like 
he needs that big win for those players to get that bit of confidence they need that big win against a team and look Monaghan are probably maybe not at the top end but they're not far off and I yeah. think it's the perfect man, game for them it's yeah. the perfect game for them to, to, to kind of go into an Ulster final and, and there's a lot riding on it for both counties the, the two goals two of the goals came from lovely little passes like uh, Stephen Campbell to Rory Grugan um, a nice diagonal ball from the half forward line column see this is the difference and then the Turbot goal came from a lovely Jamar Hall pass from the half forward line that's where you get joy you, you very rarely you'll get joy from a, a you know, a kick from the half back line. The kick from the half back line, as far as I'd be concerned, has to go to the half forward line. And from there, then you give the inside forwards lovely, tasty passes. You know, like, but without a presence on the half forward line, I've said this before, you can't do that through, through the lines like Kerry do. So I think Armad dropping as many players behind the ball only at times. It actually it stifles their kicking game then because maybe the only boomer, the only ball that's on is a boomer, you know, a really long one. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the. You know, they had a couple of nice passes for the goals, um, very, very controlled. You know, they, they obviously had have worked in that type of play in training where they're cutting back in, in, in inside and um, a couple of the passes were, were, were fairly fairly neat and tidy. Um, I don't know whether it's a tactic they're trying to do, maybe bring everyone back in uh, deep and then, you know, depending. Like, there will be other teams that will push right up on them um, and try and maybe, you know, really go after them. And, you know, if there is a two-on-two two or whatever it is up the pitch, it may it may be an option. But uh, it looked very speculative. Um, you know, and Andrew were never going to leave. You know, two-on-two two, um, at, at, at the back. So um, I don't. You know, I say if one of them got one of them chances come off, there are one in three chances. If you kick one from from that far back and one comes off, you're saying look, happy days. Um, but do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't normally happen. And like if they, if they start playing out through their hands and they're slow and they're lateral and then Antrim get men behind the ball, and then suddenly you were sort of you know you know you're looking at it going wide, just not trying to use a kick pass. But having that, you're right, having that presence in the in the half forward line to use as a link player. You know any team I've ever played on, you're always at least having one man up there to say, look, you know you, you, whenever we get turn the ball over or whenever we get a kick out, we're looking for you, so you need to be on the move so that you can link up in the full forward line. So, but yeah. like I, I do think that what they're doing is is positive. I think. Uh, you know, they are willing to take a bit more risks. Um, you know, I know from even from Thrones' point of view over the years, we didn't use that you know, them big long balls in very much. And it was nearly a fear of losing the ball. I think within our team at times, we were sort of going, look, we have to play it through the hands, do the short dinky stuff because, you know, if, if we lose the ball here, we're going to be read up on a video analysis. So I do like the way they're a bit, a bit more um, aggressive, a bit more, you know, a bit more adventurous in what they're doing. But again, it just... It's whether they can refine that, and you know, against against Monaghan, you know, again they're going to be they're going to be it's going to be a step up against Monaghan, um, and I, I can't imagine to be you know if they keep doing that sort of thing, Monaghan will come back down the field and counterattack them a lot better than Antrim did. So. Um, but yeah moving in the right direction yeah no, that, like I mean like I said I love the boomer but if you're like Colm says it's a one in three at the most if you've got two and one sweeper because the back will just break it out and who's there to mop it up the sweeper the only way that has a chance of working Alan is if you have two half forwards so then if the break comes out and it's not perfect for the sweeper you have somebody potentially coming in and, and you know mopping up a break off it do you get me like I there's things I like about Armagh but there's little things there that it doesn't really make sense to be driving it down to three versus too. I don't care how big they are because they'll just be broken down to the extra man. Yeah, and, and a good and a good defence will mop that up as mop well. It you, up. When you do that against Man and like with kind of due respect to Antrim, they handled it 
they handled it fairly yeah. easy yesterday. Monaghan will map that sort of stuff up, no problem. Um, but as I said, that, like that's why I think they learn a lot from yesterday. They look back at that and say, okay, like, this isn't going to work for us. We can't kick it from there. It needs to. It needs to go wider. It needs to go deeper or whatever. We need to have. We need to have our men up if we're trying those balls in. Yeah. Because um, Colin said the last thing you want. Is, is to move the ball up the field, the long ball in, then you're out of position and you're getting counter-attacked by, 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 by Carlo Connell and these lads that can, that can cut straight through you. So um, no, I'm sure they'll, they, they will refine that ahead of the next day. And as I said, they'll learn a lot from that. Yeah, and like we said, Antrim were very good. Um, they didn't look like a Division 4 team. The short kick-out, lads, I was here giving out shit about this uh, two weeks ago. The, the weaker team's going for the short kick-out and short kick out for the penalty game over you know he he kicked yeah, it straight to it was a pity for it to end on on like they done so well and to make a, such a big mistake like that yeah. and that kind of moment until I think that put our mass six up then didn't it? or they got the a penalty out so they, they put them six up yeah i think it was six that was pretty um, well i wouldn't mind McKeever was cleaning up in midfield perfect it's not like they had no target out there yeah yeah, yeah. keep it going but i suppose like a team obviously say under end and McGinley who's who's who he was a young coach, not long out of the game. Like he wants his he wants his team to play like like the top team. So like if you watch Dublin or Kerry play, occasionally they take risks with a kick out. Um look at backfire, but I think it's important that, that kinda of going into next year that they that they continue that vein of trying to do the right thing, trying to be brave if there's a short kick. Is that the right on. thing though, to give it to a man under pressure with it? Like a a, Div- a division three level player might not no, have maybe the skill. Not, but that's like that's the learning. I'm sure that keeper will learn a lot. Now when he looks back at it, maybe that kick out wasn't on. And it's not until you make the mistakes that you actually learn and you become a better team or you become a better player. So I think like Andy McGinley can be very proud of him yesterday. And yeah, it was a mistake. And look, they were probably going to lose the game anyway. That kind of finished it off. But I thought it was sad for after the performance they put in for the for the game to kind of end or the or, or the the kind of competitiveness to go out of the game on that note was a pity yeah. that that they didn't make Armagh work a little bit harder for it. But uh, I think they can be very proud of. Of their performance yesterday, yeah. and as you said, certainly the certainly watched the game, watching the highlights didn't reflect uh, didn't reflect a thirteen point defeat. No, it definitely didn't. Luke Mulholland is his name. He actually um, could have caught. He's a small goalkeeper. He could have caught two balls. Another goalkeeper would have caught them. I'll never forget in the Leinster final against Westmead, I must have kicked a point. It must have been going two feet over the ball. And that monster, Gary Connachton, jumped up and caught it. I went, how did he do? I was livid because I needed a point badly at that stage of the game. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just like, if that had been a shorter goalie, like that that was going over. But I don't know, like two points there that, you know, a bigger goalie would have have caught uh, Colm. I'm probably being overcritical of the poor chap now. I, I think you definitely are a bit overcritical. Like, uh, expectation is now you should be saving them. Uh, no, look, they, they're actually dangerous enough ones too. Um, you know, them balls coming in, and you know, if he takes, a, if he goes for it and palms it down, and there's somebody sitting waiting for a tap in, that's you know, I've seen that happening before as well. So, look, I think uh, we definitely cut him a bit of slack on that. Uh, yeah, he just uh, yeah, we went a wee bit hard on him there. <laughs> you were always so, a good man, Wooly, for dropping one or two short anyway, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say long range points weren't, weren't <laughs> my forte. Yeah. Um, so anyways, listen, this isn't a great one to, to move on to because Leash were absolutely humiliated um, by Westmead. Uh, maybe <clears throat> I'd say everybody really saw this coming. I tipped Leash just purely on maybe they might be able to do it on the day, not, not because of uh, any sort of form. Mike Quirk was interviewed by Jack Nolan uh, for Midlands Radio after the game. I got a little bit heated. Have a listen to this. It was a big scoreline at the end, yeah. They, like I said, they, they, they ran over us, they ran through us. Sending off, you know, didn't help, obviously, in the last quarter, but the game was slipping away from us even at that stage. Still had a chance at four or five points down to get back into the game. 
But once you went the man down with that bit of a breeze, oh, it was going to be difficult to try and keep it. So whether it's, what was it in the finish, 15 or 16? Whether it's 15 or 16, lads, or a point, it doesn't really matter. It's championship and, and, and we lost the game. We weren't trying to do 14 against 15 for the last 15 or 16 minutes, but we weren't good enough. That's the bottom line. It doesn't really matter whether it's 16, you know? We have a, st- we have a stats man back in leash and he keeps all the stats and he just tweeted there. It's the worst leash performance, second half performance. So what do you want me to say to that? I'm just saying, just two points. What do you want me to say to it? I'm not trying, I'm just saying, like, it was really but poor. But, yeah. but do, you, do you think I don't understand yeah. that, Jack? Do, yeah. you under, do, you, do you think, do you think I, some fella on Twitter saying something, do you think that that affects me more than the hurt that we feel in the dressing room? Do you, do you honestly think that? Can I ask you that question? Well, can you put your finger on? But you're, hang on, oh, one second. Oh, you're talking. One second. Oh, you're talking to me about something on Twitter, yeah. which I couldn't give a flying fiddle about anything on that's Twitter. Right, yeah. What I care about is the players in the dressing room, and I know the, the, what we've invested into this as a management and players, and we haven't got our reward because we haven't been good at good enough. Do I know why? No, no, I don't. I, I know how good we were in the first half, and I know how bad we were in the second half. If we knew why, by Christ, I would try and do more of what we're doing in the first half. We've, we've done everything we can, and it hasn't worked out. But, like, well, yeah. telling me something on Twitter said it was the worst performance of all time is about as insignificant to me today now as it could possibly be. Two points in the second half. Pathetic. 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 Whatever words you want to use, it was not good, and we understand that. But again, we put in as much as we could into the first half, and we're trying to replicate that as best we could in the second half, and we were, for whatever reason, unable to do it. I, I don't know... It, and look, you can say the same thing about down. Played as well as we could in the first half, never came out of the traps in the second half. You can go to Cork, look at the missed chances. There's every excuse you can give. The bottom line, lads, is it wasn't good enough. We haven't been good enough all year. That's as a management, as players. Everybody is the one collective. It's not It's not their fault, our fault. None of us have been good enough in what we've tried to do. So, so I think he took Jack uh, Nolan up kind of wrong with the tweet. It wasn't an opinion on Twitter. It was a stat. And here's the stat that it was the worst scoring in a championship match in the second half since 1909. <laughs> he never <laughs> let him get it out. Did he? <laughs> he didn't let him get it out. So like, I, mean, I, thought that, I thought that was funny. But I'm scratching my head about this. Look, everybody in Leash are realistic here, right? I mean, we know what we're like. We have an ageing team. We have a pretty slow team. We don't have much coming up from underage. But I can't get my head around how... Mike Quirk, after every game, says he can't explain the performance. He can't explain collapses. He can't against down. He can't explain collapse yesterday. He can't seem to complain everything before the game. Everything's going great. Like I mean, does a team where everything's going great collapse like that, Alan? Like and 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 this is two games in a row and not a win a game all year. Like I mean, is this is this reality? Well, look, I suppose as. as Certainly when I played, if you were looking at, at a performance in a first half versus a second half or in a certain game versus another game, um, the only place you can really go is to your stats. And you look at what you're measuring, what your stats guys are measuring, and they're measuring kickouts, they're measuring wides, they're measuring conversion rates, and you look at the stats and you see how they're faring up against each other. And I'm sure when he looks back, maybe he was obviously a little bit heated after that and maybe hadn't had time to think about it properly, but I'm sure when he looks back, I'm sure they, they, they're... Look, he's a young smart coach as well I'm sure he's well up on on, 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 on statsmen and stuff so um, I'm sure when he looks at it today he'll see where what areas and 
what position the field they lost it in the second half and I think that's like for me as a player that's the only real place you can look at like you could talk about after many tackles that they have in the first half first the second half I know yeah. look, any one thing isn't a fair barometer but you, you can start to see trends of a good performance versus a bad performance when you look at those things but he, that's was kind of, he was referencing the down one even there where he's still at a loss with the down one yeah that's that surprised me a little bit Um I think as a coach, that's that's like any coach worse assault now would be looking at, at your job, yeah. how the stats are faring up on any given day and, and 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 kind of why it's not working out. And um, look, as I said, he obviously got a bit heated there. I'm sure he'll have better answers when the players look back on it this week or whenever they meet up to have their review of that game. Um, I'm sure they'll have some answers then. And that's, look, he doesn't have to put that out, that out into the public realm. That's for that's for his management team and for inside the dressing room. If that's where he wants to keep it, but I'm sure look like it's a bad loss for Leash now. Looking even like aside from what you say, they, like a lot of the better players are are getting a little, little bit old. Like sort of Colin Begley's and these were probably are John O'Loughlin are, are maybe past their best, but you still expect Leash to be competitive on any given day. It's still a proud footballing county, and that's that's a bad defeat against Westmead. It's a terrible defeat against a team that would be similar similar level I suppose Colin one kind of criticism I would have of Mike Quirk is that he he hasn't been very inventive with a team he has an ageing team um, he has a team that he has admitted himself hasn't much pace but he's playing that same generic style of the two up and the running game and the you know the getting some body your whole half forward line back behind the ball whereas like if I was him knowing what we have and admittedly that they're not fast and admittedly that they're ageing why not go just go the way Armagh are going and actually leave four or five up there and launch it down into them and say here look we're not that fast we're not that fit we're getting old but this will save the legs why are you playing the same generic style I saw them against Dublin in Croke Park and they never laid a glove on Dublin it's just I don't know I was just tearing my hair out I thought he might be a bit more inventive um, than he is now. I, I have to say, I do love a post-match interview. This, that's the way they should be on. Or you should be pushing these managers like uh, on things like that. I thought that was an excellent interview by Jack Nolan. Yeah, look, it's, it's difficult. Um, obviously, it got it got fairly heated there. And look, at least probably have to have to. I know we've been in the back of defeats like that, um, where you just nearly want to hit the reset button. It's been a it's just been a bad year all around. Uh, Alan talked about going back into the nitty goodies of the, actually what has happened in each individual game, and I think that's all you can do. You can go back in and look at possessions and kickouts won and kickouts lost and all the, the the stats that you you know and break it down like that. And yeah, you're talking about styles. Um, look, it just hasn't been there a year. I think you know we talked about an aging team. We're going to have to go back out in the county possibly to look at what youth is coming through there and and, and try and change it up because you know it's just been it's just been disappointing for them um, and look there's there's no other way to probably look at it but um, definitely the you know they have to go and take a good look at themselves in terms of what they did right and what they did wrong and and look I say there's a lot of time now between now and uh, um, next season to look at that and try and try and make it right and look at it can be done and. I say we even Tyrone years ago when we lost our man a game and remember you know in the, in the qualifiers and something bit bit like least too we had just a bad year we we could put in the championship early and we had to really you know I remember coming back very very early in that year you know we had to sort of hit the reset button and I think they have to do something similar and try and you know try and change it up a little and you know come back next year stronger. Yeah, I was ta- I was ta- ta- somebody the reason that the, the the kicking game I think suits a bigger team that isn't a, isn't as fast. They won two marks in the entire league and championship and only one of them was scored. 
if I was that, I'd be working on that. You know, a free shot at the goals with the Donny Kingston's, Evan O'Carroll's and Paul Kingston's and big kind of forwards that, that Leash have. But anyways, like, I mean, it's a, it's a terrible loss and Leash football is in a bad state. We're in Division 3 now. We'll see the likes of Mark Timmons, Colin Begley, John O'Loughlin, Donny Kingston, Ross Munley. All these Division 1 standard players are all going to retire now in the next year or two and there's nothing coming up. Like we're, I, as far as I'm concerned, we're looking at it being division, mid-table Division 3 team. Um, well, you know, for, until, until we go back to the drawing board again. And what is it about these counties that always wait until it's rock bottom before they go back to the drawing board? Like, I mean, how about staying at the bloody drawing board and not allowing that happen? Yeah, I think the problem when you're in Division 2 and kind of leash are trying to compete in Division 2, he was probably afraid to blood new guys because he yeah. thought he needed the yeah. experienced guys playing. So now, look... So in, a, in a way, sorry to cut you off, John Sugru overachieved by getting them to Division 2 and then Quirk got a team, last year got a team in Division 2, stayed up by the skin of his teeth, you know, and now has gone back down. Leash are not a Division 2 team anymore. No, they're probably not. And it's, but it's probably not the worst thing in the world that maybe they're down in Division 3 for a, for a year or two now and they can blood some new guys. Maybe some yeah. of those guys will move on just um, a kind of natural progression or whatever, like... Ross is nearly as old as myself now at this stage. It was amazing to see him coming on yesterday and still playing away. We, yeah. Ross played with us in, in geez, nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> now, yeah, he's still going. Two of us well washed up. <laughs> Here but, I'm um, playing junior there. <laughs> but uh, so maybe a year or two down there just gives an opportunity to get some some young guys through, kind of gives them a chance to play and find their feet at, at inter-county level under the radar a little bit and just hang on in Division 2 for, or in Division 3 for yeah. a year or two before kind of building a team to start working their way back up again. That's a fair point on Mike Quirk. Like, I mean, it's not a place because Leash had a decent under-20 team. I think it's two years ago. They lost to Dublin. It's Archer's Dublin. I think the yeah. final score was 4-18 to 17 points. So they stayed with Dublin. It's just Archer got bloody goals. So like none of those under-20s play, were playing yesterday. So maybe Division 3 is the level to start getting these in and maybe that's the, the fair point. What did you make of, of Monaghan? Like, I mean, Monaghan, uh, Column, just at their ease, like, uh, Fermanagh brought, er- like Ross Commons, Fermanagh brought everyone behind the ball. They conceded the kick out. Again, it was another throwback to maybe five years ago. Ricey obviously thought that was the way around it. The difference here was that the weather was perfect and Monaghan were able to move it without worrying about it dropping out of hands and they moved it left, right and they, they got the scores and it was very, very easy for Monaghan. I suppose when Jack McCarran's goal went in, it was pretty much game over looking at the way Fermanagh had set up. Yeah, again, a bit like, uh, I suppose, the uh, um, common game nearly as a... But Fermanagh set up, obviously, to stay in the game as long as they could. Monaghan, like, to their credit, have played against this uh, system a lot. And the, the play... One thing I always notice about them, they play with an awful lot of width. And, you know, they, they do seem to know what they're doing up front. They, Typically, the last number of years, they've been always, like, I know when we played them, we were always thinking, right, uh, just keep McManus out of the game and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do well here and we'll, you know, we'll have the measure of them. But, like, looking at the weekend, you know, they're, they're real obviously play play against that uh, blanket defence and cut through it at, at, at will. And um, that that was a plus. And like, they just have more scoring forwards now. They have more guys that can step up to the plate and really, and really you know, hurt teams while... You know the moment of the old. You stop McManus, you're you're halfway there. So, um, you know, say from from Manor's point of view, look, they were always going to be up against it. Uh, as you say, nearly, I'd say from Manor were nearly hoping to, to have it in a wet 
what having yeah. pitch so they could maybe break it down to their level. I but think I think that, that I think the, I think they're the only conditions that that defensive system might you know keep the score down. It it actually doesn't keep the score down anymore, Colin, does it? The other teams just one eleven Monaghan scored in a half with with Fermanagh conceding kickouts and dropping everybody in one eleven and a half. Yeah, the, the better team. What I always my argument with that is, yeah, look, okay, the the conditions can level it a wee bit, but then the better players are obviously able to still play in, in, in wet and heavy yeah. conditions as well. That you know they're slicker with the hands; they don't drop anything. Their first touch is good. Um, so look, it was one of them games where again you knew, uh, you sort of knew from early out that Monaghan were going to um, coast to victory. I think from Monaghan side, um, Owen Donnelly in the square, you know, but like a few years back where they were trying to maybe get a few goals and yeah look it just didn't work out for them um they're probably playing you know again obviously come up against a team that like Monaghan who's played against this system for years and but but like Dublin and that they, know, they do know how to break it down um but I suppose what, what could they have done like you know could they could they have pushed out probably could have pushed a wee bit more on them um, they kind of did but, in the sec they, 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 they didn't concede kickouts in the second half at least did they um, Colm like they seemed to at least try to play a little bit more and they did better in the second half I think the second half was 10-7 in, in the finish yeah it, it was a bit more yeah I suppose I was sitting waiting but like a lot of these games I've been watching but like the common game I was sort of going when he's going to have a goal when he's going to start, start have, you know take a cut at it and see can, can we make something of this um, and they did, yeah. Um, I, I never understood this whole dropping off kickouts piece anyway. Um, regardless of your, go ahead, on. Sorry, I was going to give out about dropping off kickouts. So I just, as a forward, yeah. I played in a couple of teams where where we've conceded kickouts, and it's ball breaking for forwards. You're wrecked by the time you get the ball because you're chasing lads around, and it's just whatever you're playing defensive. Dropping out kickouts for me is just just a just, just a complete no no. It gives the opposition twenty attacks a match with no with no uh, with no pressure on them at all, and I just. Like I could never understand that I played. I, I actually played it under Pat Gilroy with a couple of games where we can see the kickouts and in a, in a couple of club games. And after a couple of games, it's like this this is not working. Like it's not going to work. It's it's um it definitely like it's it definitely doesn't it lend itself. No, definitely doesn't lend itself. Like it just you know for 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 Monaghan to drop off. Like if they can turn the ball higher up the pitch against Monaghan, they have far more chance of scoring because you know obviously. They were turning them over in their own defence, but like Roscommon, and had to play it right up the pitch again. Um, I suppose what we did for for years as well. Only we were probably lucky that we had some guys who are extremely fit and were able to get up and down. But um, I sort of thought they would have, you know, at least went to some sort of zonal press early on to try and really get a few scores. I presume, uh, Colin, because you've played in this a lot, a lot of the time. The 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 idea behind dropping off a kick out is that. It's a very conservative thing, and you're you're worried about if it goes long, you don't have your defensive system. If the kickout goes long as one, you don't have your defensive system in place. So I presume that's the theory behind it. Like I mean, and for maybe for years that made sense, but surely the game's moved on from those tactics. Were you a bit surprised with with Ricey for going with that? It probably was. Um, like I said, dropping off kickouts. Like we used to probably we've done it. We done it a few years back, thinking. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll give them the ball. We'll give a, a dodgy cornerback the ball, let him come out a wee bit, and then try and get him when he gets out the field a wee bit. And I think they're a wee bit dated. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's not too many guys who can't play football anymore. Um, so, look, I, I, I thought they would have had a go. Um, I, again, a bit like Russ Conley, I wouldn't have minded if they had a sat back a wee bit for a wee while. Maybe not drop off kick out, but sat back. And then at some point, I start, you know, there's, in games you have purple patches where you think, you know, you get a couple of scores on the board and the momentum's with you. And 
at that point in time, you're thinking, right, let's go, let's let, let's really have a go with these guys. Let's push on their man on man kick out, or whatever it may be. Yes, there's a there's not a risk there that teams go over the top and whatnot, but. When you're on top, you want to have a go at them and maximise your your time because that'll swing, that'll swing back at some point. So a wee bit slightly disappointed that they didn't, you know, really push them early on. But I can understand it at the same point. I can understand that they wanted to stay in the game as long as possible and hopefully a bit like a few years back, maybe get a goal or two. And 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 you know, you do try and stay in the you try and stay in the game to, so that you can hit a big team like that. Um, you know, and later in the game, um, but it just it just wasn't to be. One and were were wise to. I think when you play a defensive settle like that and you concede an early goal, it becomes very difficult then. I think I think McCarran's goal was in the 13th or 14th minute, I think so. Um, when you put all this preparation in, you say we're, we're, maybe we're going to try staying the game to half time and then after 12 or 13 minutes you concede a goal, it can be it can be very deflating. I think that's the problem with playing defensively. Once you start to go behind... Um, well, you're gone. You're gone. All of a sudden you're not containing them anymore, then, then it becomes very difficult to... It, like as a team to break out of that and it's not until maybe the water breaker but it's not until half time that you can really change a manager can really change the way you're playing and at that stage it could be too late and I think once Monaghan got to goal they were always in the they were always in the driving seat from that, from that stage on or, yeah. or that time of the match on but the, it's just the sophistication of teams now breaking it down this is why I'm very critical of it now it served the time it doesn't work anymore. Like, look, Rory Began, well, he scored a point from 45. You have uh, Kieran Duffy should have scored the goal. He set up the goal, bombing forward. You have Connor Boyle scoring a point. Ryan Wiley scoring a point. You have Desi Ward scoring a point. Carol O'Connell scored a point. Colin Walsh came on and scored two points, including the mark. They're all defenders. Yeah. That's the feature of playing against the defensive teams because if they have some zonal players, column, who are your free players? It's the defenders on the other side. And when they make these bursting runs through... You know, like maybe three of them might get picked up by the zonal lads and one of them will be free. You know, like, I mean, this has all been worked out. And let's be honest, it was the 2017 All-Ireland semi-final with Dublin and yourselves that basically blew the defensive systems. You know, was that semi-final? 16, 17, yeah, it was in 2017. The fi- You played them in the final in 18. Maybe. Anyways, that, that, was when, that, that was when defensive football was just like, that's the end of you. So that you're very just surprised at seeing these teams four years later thinking, oh, this might work today. Yeah, look, it is. Uh, um, it, 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 teams have worked it out. They've analysed it to the hilt. Um, Dublin's obviously one of, they led the way in terms of how to break it down. Monaghan seemed to now have cracked it as well. And you're right, it's, it's when you go in that sort of defensive mindset and you're pulling everybody back and the late runners start coming and teams are switching off and you're playing. Like I said, the, ta- the teams know how to get their way around at the moment. And uh, but again, look, t- obviously for Mana Monaghan, there's a wee bit of difference in class there. Monaghan, I'd say, are probably closer to the top of the top of the three. Um, but for Mana, just probably aren't there just at this moment in time. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's. Uh, I think we have seen the end of the. I keep saying we've we've seen the end of the defensive football, but it's 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 not even that. It's just more the balance and and in terms of knowing when to defend and knowing when to sit back and knowing when to attack and really go for it. And yeah, you're right. The late runners and the guys who are coming through. Uh, you know, guys can all score now. That's the difficulty. While you know, from Anna we're probably sitting going right with Stephen McManus, you know, and keep keep him out of the out of the way. And these other guys were just allowed to, to to come down the pitch and they can score. So yeah, look, it's. Um, yeah, what, 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 I don't think they could have done much more. I think Monaghan were just superior on the day and I'd say you could probably see it fairly early on in the game. Yeah, no, you definitely could. Um, I have to say their goal was beautifully worked and the, the, what opened the whole uh, play up there was a lovely 
hand pass in the field from Carl O'Connell to McCarthy, who then just shipped it off. You know, it's, it's often the case, it's just one clever pass. And you explained this before, wait, wait, wait. Someone will make, oh, Stephen O'Hanlon with lovely pace, he'll inject pace, now bang. Instead of, you know, just be patient and someone's going to make a run and the hand pass is what'll kill, you know, what'll absolutely kill him. And suddenly it looks from nothing being on to the whole thing That's after true, op- yeah. opening up. Yeah, it was like, a nice little reverse pass, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lovely yeah. little inside pass, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um yeah, and they're the sort of things you said. Monaghan have obviously played against this this sort of system for a good few years now, so they've they, they've um, they've looked at it lots of times, so they know how to break it down. And you spoke about keeping wide. That's something Dublin do as well. You see Dublin when they're playing against against a defensive system, they've a man out on that line, they'll have a man over on the other line. They're trying to keep it really, really wide, really, really spread. And in Crow Park, when you do that, it does leave gaps to punch in. It's a little bit more difficult in some of the provincial grounds but you can see when it's done right like that when you get a man coming at pace and somebody smart enough to slip that little reverse pass it, it opens it up and, and they finish off the move very well Yeah, no they definitely do Just getting some news here um, as we're doing the show uh, recording it that Mike Quirk has stepped down as leash manager which probably won't come as much of a surprise after hearing that interview <laughs> he seemed like he was sick of it at that stage um, Yeah, so that's the end of, end of Mike Quirk um, Hard to understand Hard to really analyse how well, he did. They had a relatively good year, I suppose, last year. Um, Alan stayed in a tough division too. They beat Armagh away and then drew with Ross Common in their first two games. It's like Jesus, my quirk is the Messiah. But I suppose this year, if you lose every game and you're driving up from Kerry, you know maybe he's yeah, looking at it and and maybe that's it. Yeah, he probably didn't see, as you say, if he's looking at some of the older guys now pushing on. He sees it as a maybe, rebuilding job now. Yes, maybe somebody else's turn to take a four, but. Um, look and it's difficult going into counties like that and I said we spoke about it on the show a few weeks ago here for those counties it's the league now that becomes more important like like at the end of the day with no back door which is another which is another topic of conversation saying the football championship this year but with no, with no back door for any of the for any of the Leinster teams the league is is is, is most certainly for me a more, more important competition for them to 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 to, to 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 either look at getting up a division or holding their own whatever whatever division they're in because ultimately we know Dublin are going to win that Dublin are going to win that Leinster championship um, more than likely so look it's obviously disappointing to see managers go and he's obviously put in a big effort but I think it is as he said himself yesterday it is a time where where Leash football prob- probably does need a little bit of little bit of rebuilding and probably Division 3 is probably a good place to do that for them now. Yeah, exactly. Mead hammered Longford, lads. Not too much to say now because we're running running out of time. I thought what, something funny here um, uh, is Andy McEntee watched it from the stand and we know Andy McEntee has a li- he, he, he hates, he, he has a terrible time giving out to referees. He looks like he's always ready to ap- explode during a game. He loses his mind on the sideline. I don't know, Colin. My opinion here is, is that mo- if I was a GA manager... I'd imagine I'd watch the majority of the match from the stand as well. You're radioed to your selectors. Do you really need to be down there? You know, can your players really hear you? Can you make mo- maybe with the water breaks? There's more of an excuse to be down there. I don't know, but in general, doesn't it make like doesn't it make more sense to be down there or to be up in the stand? I think so. Um, I said the, you're right though on the water breaks. If the, if the water breaks um, obviously give you a bit more opportunity, but in general, yeah, like you see more. Um, I said everyone's, everyone's mic'd up in the, in the whole backroom team um, you can definitely because when you're on and like, managers are on their pits and they're shouting and they can roaring at you and to do something you can't you don't you don't take it in you might hear something but you don't take it in and it's just yeah. a matter of you know you're in the cut and thrust of the game not a massive thing not a, not a massive amount of things you can't really influence things very much so 
to be sitting back and actually having a, a better view of it and seeing where people are how people are setting up when you're not when you're on their line you know in the same line of the players it's very very hard to see what's going on at times so I, I definitely would agree with that I think you know probably more people should probably follow suit in that regard uh, but again because of the water breaks um, you know it's just important that because you have more opportunity to switch things up and change things up um, it may you know it may not be the case but definitely something that I would, I would agree with. But even advice during games, Ellen, like, I mean, nobody knows your position at the time better than yourself because you're seeing everything going around. Do you ever get someone run into you with a bit of advice? You're like, what is this lad on about? <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. game is he watching? I think that the, the, like, that the opposite can actually happen with a manager shouting in. You can get a mixed message in and then the message gets, gets construed a different way altogether. So I think, like, if you look at the rugby now, all the coaches sit... Yeah. Sit up with the bird's eye view because they can see a more a more aerial picture of the view uh, or more aerial picture of the field, so they can see certain trends developing or whatever. And and, and yeah, like I think Colm's right. I think if I was like maybe Andy had a bit of a period of self reflection and thought maybe it'd be better off up here in the stand <laughs> away from the lines yeah. and the referees. Unless he's going to get a heart attack or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, the uh, two under- and they did well to be fair to him. Did age, yeah, the two under twenty players that all the controversy was about. Carl Hickey he scored one two from wing back. And Matthew Costello played very well as well. So that was a big controversy um, in me about Bernard Flynn obviously stood down from the other 20s because Andy wouldn't wouldn't release um, the two lads. Uh, Kildare beat Offaly. Um, one thing about this, lads, from the, and the, from the highlights, uh, we don't have too much time to talk about it. Just two points. How did Jimmy Highland not go for a goal there, lads? Because, like, I mean, it took a lot. Like, he tapped it over the bar, right? But the goalie had just been dispossessed in midfield. There's a there's a cornerback on the goal, Alan. Like, I mean, how much discipline do you need not to go in and just ram it past that <laughs> cornerback? <laughs> He's a few years under his belt now as well. I say, he just thought we need another score. You get me though, yeah. like, because when the goal is like when the goal is dispossessed, there's no goalie yeah. in. And to be fair to Jimmy Highland, he is um, he has an eye for goal. He has, yeah. He ha- um, like when he's in there and he gets an opportunity, he generally is thinking goal, but uh, maybe just just a bit of game management as we like to call it. Yeah, it went um, from twelve eight to thirteen eight. Jeez, he had to go in. He had to go for the goal there. One other one then. Oh yeah, Keen Farrell, his point column, like a dummy solo, and then a point off the outside of the left. Like he's been a real find for Offaly. Um, he's the future for Offaly and he's coming off an, an excellent game last week and followed it up against, you know, a Division 1 team. Yeah, looks definitely striding. Uh, great, great, obviously an unbelievable score and uh, finished with um, uh, not 8 or whatever. So, it, it looked, yeah, a fantastic player and has, has really made great strides this year. So, so definitely one for the future and one for one for Offaly to, um, to really help push on. Yeah, definitely. And Neil Flynn, um, interesting role at wing forward he has a lot of pace actually he did an Alan Brogan bounce nice to get bounce, a lovely high actually. bounce brought him right in on the goalie you might explain the finish was this a mistake or what kind of a dummy did he do in the end it looked yeah. like I don't think he did what he was expecting to do is that fair? He, um, I actually saw um, when I was watching it last night I saw the bounce and I thought that was a great high bounce he got about 8 steps with the bounce yeah. and then someone tweeted me afterwards about it so um, a friend of mine from Plunkers but yeah it was a funny finish it was like he was going to sidestep and then he thought no I, I, I'll shoot it now and he kind of he kind of scuffed it a little bit he was probably lucky it went in in the end but um, he looks a good player now he's powerful coming through and he, like he did a lot of work to do to get into that position even to get yeah there was a sidestep to start it off yeah. and then he went through went through the middle and he just couldn't live with him so like he looks a good player and to be fair to Kildare they look okay um, and me look okay as well so let's hope one of them can can can, uh, can make a bit of a step up and hopefully give give Dublin the game at some stage How many words have you had in a referee's ear playing Dublin column saying here ref you're going to have to cop on to Alan Brogan the way he bounces the ball he's over carrying <laughs> Too many probably at this stage uh, but uh, no it, uh, he was I said just back to the Neil Flynn piece he was 
I said watch from the highlights that, that, that yeah serious pace and looks to be a serious asset so yeah look it, it's Kildare good win for them and yeah look they're you're, you know, say, we're hoping, we're hoping that uh, these guys can, you know, between Kildare, Mead and whatnot, can actually put a, you know, less, we're hoping for a few good games uh, going forward. Yeah, no, de- definitely have one. It's obviously, we, we didn't speak about Wexford at all, Alan. Like, I mean, you know, 15 points to seven. We, I like, have no problem holding my hands up saying I got this wrong. I, I backed Dublin to beat the minus 24 because, uh, listen, generally you're right. But then again, it's in Croke Park to generally beat the handicaps, maybe not necessarily yeah. in the in the provincial grounds. Yeah, Bernard said to me yesterday, actually, uh, actually the handicap was 20. And I was like, they won't be 20. It was right at the start of the game. They won't be 20 because they never really do in the provincial grounds. Like, was it, like I just said, if it was in Croke Park, it'd be a different story. But um, I'd probably have backed against Dublin. If I was a betting man, I'd probably... Back against Dublin with that to, one. Yeah, to, lose, to, to not beat the yeah, handicap. Yeah, to not beat the handicap, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not really betting against Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, they were a little bit sluggish, weren't they? Look, it's hard to say. We won't read too much into no. it. We've seen them before go down the country and kind of struggle a little bit to get going. And, um, look, I'm sure it'd be much... Obviously, Desi's first day back on the line, maybe a bit of, little bit of hangover with Stephen Clucks and thing going on. So hopefully that'll be ironed out for the next day. And, um, we'll see a better performance from them because they will need to improve from where they were yesterday. Yeah, but all credit to Wexford as well. Like to be, like to be fair to Wexford, they're they're doing Division Four this year, I think, weren't they? Yeah, they didn't win a game in Division Four. They're they were looking terrible. Four, so like to come and put a performance in like that against Dublin is 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 huge credit to them. Yeah, they only had two games in Division Four. It was in the split one, and they were in the Division Four with just three teams. But anyway, they were cheered in off the off the field by two hundred fifty supporters at the wa- first water break and at half time. Like I mean, it's definitely something for them to build on next year. That's the great thing about it. They've gone from having a bad year in the league to beating Wicklow um, in Ockram and then running Dublin close. Like these lads would be just jumping out of their skin, I presume, Colm, you know, to get back next year. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's not too many teams that are holding Dublin to that them score lines uh, over the last number of years. Like we've seen Dublin you know, run over teams beating the, the spreads and whatnot. So look they can take they can take a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of pride out of that performance. Um and yeah, it's something that to say the said the supporters were, were getting behind them and, and giving them motivation and and that so look yeah, look look you look back and they'll say look that's a that's a positive performance by them and and you know there's no doubt that you know they're just sort of they're building and trying to rebuild for next year sort of thing. So look yeah, look it's any team that holds Dublin that scoreline can, can, can at, at this current time can be can hold their heads up high and say, look, that, that was a good day. Yeah, definitely any Division 4 team. Right, we'll leave it there. And listen, they played so well, Desi had to speculate and tell lies about Stephen Cluxton just to draw attention away from the performance, right? So, like, I mean, that's how good Wexford, uh, how good Wexford were. Right, we'll leave it there, lads. We're out of time. We'll be back on Thursday. Um, there's more games next weekend. Um, we'll talk to you then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, no one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I'm not being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffer you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.